Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Um, I did want to share, Steph wrote an update this morning, <clears throat> and I'm going to have Hoku come share it because I'll just butcher it. So, Again, I cannot express the gratitude for this community's support. It's so mind-blowing. I got to share a little with Boog, and he went from a furrowed brow to a smile. Thank you. In sickness and in health, those words keep ringing in my head. This past year has been a time when I have thought much about this vow and covenant of marriage many of us have taken. God has been very clear to me that marriage is this incredible gift that some get to have. Before Boog's surgery on the 17th of December, He constantly kept asking me how our life would be different after his lungs healed. I would often pause and think, no different. My life is perfect. I am blessed. I don't want to change a thing. But now, as I sit here watching my life change so drastically, I realize that God God was beginning to call us to see life differently then. The importance of life lies only in how much we love God and love others. That is really all that matters. The way, verb, that we love God and others also matters. The word reckless cannot get out of my head. Do you recklessly love your Lord? Do you sit with your maker and tell him that you love him? Do you know without a doubt that you are recklessly loved by your maker? Do you recklessly love your spouse? Seriously, do you touch your spouse daily? Do you love them passionately? Do you serve your spouse in a way that they know without a doubt that you love them recklessly? If you do these things, you are in the covenant that God created. You will be blessed even in the worst of circumstances. In sickness and in health will become one of the most beautiful things you have ever experienced. So today, on my sweet Karis's eighth birthday, her daddy will work for these two things that really matter. He will have to endure another procedure to fix the cannula in his neck, and he will have to begin to move so that he can have tubes taken from his mouth so he can say happy birthday to his sweet girl, and even more importantly, so he can say, I love you. Reckless. My prayer today is that Boog will feel the reckless love I have for him and his maker has for him, that he will do so well in the procedure that they take the tubes out before this evening. And most importantly, that my little girl can hear her daddy say, happy birthday, and we can hear him say, I love you. Amen. Good morning. Um, I've been trying to find someone else to preach this sermon. Is there anybody out there who... (laughs) My name's John. It's great to see so many of your faces here this morning. Uh, If it's your first church service you've been to all year, the Lord forgives you. Um, (laughs) You know, in the face of things like this, sometimes all you can do is laugh um, when you hear these details. 
because it, it just can't be. It can't be true. Um, anyway, I, I want to invite you to turn to the book of John, chapter 11, if you have a Bible with you, or if you need one, uh, we have some ushers that can help pass those out to you. Just raise your hand up and they'll hand you one. Uh, if you're here visiting for the first time, we're glad you're here and we want you to know you're welcome in this community. Uh, this may not seem like your typical first Sunday of the year uh, because of the issues surrounding one of our dear brothers, Eric Boogie Rose, uh, who should be standing here. Um, but this is what this family is about, uh, walking through this together. We're on a journey of following Jesus together, and uh, so life happens, pain happens, and suffering happens, and along with joy and celebration and adventure, uh, and this community is going through a tough time um, with regard to one of our elder brothers and someone who we'd love dearly. And uh, they're clinging to hope and life right now. Uh, it's, it's a new year. And generally, we make plans in the new year. Did anybody make any plans this new year? Good. Nobody. <laughs> this is a countercultural group we've got here. <laughs> Generally, it's how we're going to make this year better, uh, how we're going to make our lives better, more impressive, more of the lives we imagined for ourselves. And there were plans for how this Sunday would go and uh, how this month would go and how we might kick off the new year. And uh, the plan was that Boogie would be giving this message. That was the plan. And... Uh, we enter these years, uh, January 1, with plans about how to improve our own lives, how to, how to lose weight, <laughs> make more money, finish the tasks we didn't get done last year, find a spouse, grow our career, grow our business. But what I've seen in the last week in this community uh, that came together and is together to support a dear brother and a family is beautiful. <laughs> this community is not thinking about one person inside of itself, thinking individually about how I, I might improve my own life, but has reached outside of itself to somebody else and for something else greater. And it shows just how strong we can be when we're united in purpose and in thought. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. Because I think that's what this community is to look like all the time. United in thought and purpose of following Jesus together. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. So I want to share with you a couple of thoughts that I was having this morning and over the last few days. And uh, first, no matter who you are, when you experience situations like this, uh, you're not prepared You're never prepared to get this kind of news. Um, many of you know and love Boogie, and when you heard this news, you weren't prepared. It's, it, and then you hear updates about how serious it is. 
that it's, it's critical. It's, this is like last hope kind of stuff. And you're not prepared. <laughs> and I'm not prepared to hear that kind of stuff. The other thing is that whatever you're feeling, it's okay. If you're feeling anger, that's okay. Like Shane was saying in those prayers, if you're feeling shock, that's okay. If you're feeling rage, that's okay. If you feel this sort of numbness, sort of floaty feeling, that's okay. If you don't feel anything at all, and then you feel bad because you feel like you're supposed to feel something, but you don't, that's okay too. It's okay. And sometimes there's this sense in religious communities that we have to, we have to say, oh, you know, God's got this, and, and we have to, you know, say he's in control and quote a Bible verse, and, and sometimes that doesn't help. And that's okay. And I would be really leery of someone who tries to wrap this up all neatly. I'd be real wary of someone who said, this is really easily explained and this will all make sense. It might not. Some things just are. And we have to let them be. And some things are evil and brutal and tough. So whatever you're feeling, it's okay. There's a passage uh, in, in 2 Corinthians I want to read to you about just it's okay to feel things. Um, I often hear debates about people saying, God won't give you anything you can't handle. And uh, people who say that, I think, haven't been given enough. We'll see. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. This is in 2 Corinthians. He says, about the troubles we experienced in the province. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. The Apostle Paul, a hero of the faith, in his own words, you will get more than you can handle. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. If you read in the book of Matthew, just in case Paul isn't enough of an example for you, Jesus himself in the book of Matthew towards the end in chapter uh, 26 He says this in verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, 
Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to be grieved and agitated. And then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. These are emotions, <laughs> things that we feel in times like this. I am sure that there have been times, and perhaps even now, that Boog and, and, and Steph have both felt they've received the sentence. Batteries. Now, I want to read some parts from this passage of John chapter 11 to you. And it deals with one of Jesus's, well, a couple of Jesus's good friends, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And I want to give you a couple thoughts. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now the story goes on and Lazarus dies. And uh, I want to pick the story up a little bit later as Jesus is now heading to meet the sisters. Uh, Mary and Martha. And in verse 20, it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who, who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here, he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because she, she thought she, they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in his spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Now, just a couple thoughts that I want to share in this passage that I think can help us. Uh, one thing to pick up first in verse 20. Uh, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Well, one goes and one stays home. Now, 
in Jewish culture, when someone dies, there's a mourning process. They call it sitting shiva. And you have to say that really slowly, sitting shiva. It's not one of those things you try and say 10 times fast. Shiva or, uh, is Hebrew or sabah in, in uh, Arabic or seven in English, sitting, sitting seven. Uh, for seven days, you mourn and you sit in a house. And someone comes who wants to console or mourn with you, and they simply sit with you sometimes. Because sometimes there are, there are no words. This is why you, you drive up to the hospital and you sit, and there's nothing to say except that I'm here. And I'm, my presence is, is, a, is a symbol of my love for you. So she's sitting, and there are those sitting with her. But Mary, Martha goes out to meet Jesus. But when Mary comes out and he sees her, and you get two, you get two sort of guilt trips in here. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died, says Martha. And then Mary comes out. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I've heard that before. But he come, she comes out with this whole sort of mourning group of people. And Jesus, who says in the verses that I skipped across, we're going to wake Lazarus, he tells his disciples, because he's fallen asleep. And they're like, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up on his own. And then he has to like, make it a little more clear. Look, Lazarus died, and I'm glad that I wasn't there. So you can see that the glory and the power of God is going to be revealed. And uh, Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he weeps, and he's greatly disturbed and moved in his spirit. The one who has power over life and death itself, that kind of power does not preclude him from entering in to the pain and the sorrow of his people. That's the God that we serve, that's the Jesus we follow. That even though he knows what's going to happen, and even though that he has power over life and death itself, he could say, guys, guys, no, 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 let's just cut all this out. Hey, Lazarus, come on out. You know, sorry, you guys, this, there's no need for all this. No. He doesn't do that. He enters into it with us. Emmanuel, God with us in the suffering, in the pain. Jesus wept, and it teaches us something about our own emotions and our own feelings about these sorts of sufferings and pains in our life. That you gotta, you got to get it out. <laughs> if you don't let it out, then it's still in there. And I don't care if it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago and you lost a parent or a friend and you didn't properly grieve it, Jesus, the most integrated, fully connected person, healthy person, totally connected with God, fully human, fully divine being, his divinity, his power over life and death, do not preclude him from entering in to the pain and the suffering. If the Son of God needs a good cry, 
and so do I. Amen? (laughs) If the Son of God needs a good cry, then so do I. And don't let our culture of macho keep you from that. The most powerful person that has ever walked this world needed a good cry. Now, there's this other part of the passage I want to look at that I think is also interesting, and it's going back to his conversation with Martha. And he says, your brother will rise again. This is verse 23. And Martha quotes this verse kind of out of Daniel eleven twelve. I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. It's kind of like she's a good... Sunday school student. Yeah, I know, like big picture, he's going to rise again. We're all going to rise again. You know, we're all going to die. We're all going to rise again. That sort of thing. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. And he brings it right into the present. I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me, even though they die, and he's already dead, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you Believe this. Jesus says he's going to rise. She quotes a Bible verse. He says, no, 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 no. Right now. I'm talking about life right now. He moves it from someday, way out in the future, to here and now. I'm talking about right now. Do you trust me? Do you trust me with life? Do you trust me with death? Do you trust me with this day? Do you trust me with this year? Do you believe this? I am the life, he says. And that's... That's tough. Do you trust me that I'm going to figure out, I'm going to figure it out with the Rose family? That I have not abandoned them. Do you trust me? Do you trust me that following me, no matter what path I take you on, is still the best way to live? Can you trust me with his lungs? Can you trust me with the finances? Can you trust me with Steph and with Keaton and with Zeke and with Karis? This is what the risen Christ does to us. Are you going to trust me even if it doesn't look the way you want it to look? Do you believe this? Jesus wants you to be fully alive in this moment, right now. And he's calling us to trust him. And that's tough. close with one more thought. 
our God is a God of the living, not of the dead. And this whole New Testament treats you as if you've already died. You know that? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but you've been made alive in Christ. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God, is what the Apostle Paul writes. You've already died. (laughs) Boog has already died. I have already died. Do you believe that even though we die, we live? Those are Jesus' words. The the Sadducees try and uh, trap Jesus. Never a good idea to try and trap Jesus, but uh, especially in anything concerning anything. Uh, They talk about a, a silly question about a guy who, you know, a woman who's married to seven brothers, whose, hus- whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And essentially he says to them, oh, the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed. In the story about the burning bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. And then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him another question. He is a God of the living. Bug is living. Let's remember that.